Hey friends, this is Holly Bame Lytle, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism in the Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's panel of exceptional autism parents. All right. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Isaac's Autism in the Wild. And I feel very lucky today because I have my good friend, Doug, who's joining me. Doug Peel, um, you're you're retired at the moment, enjoying some retirement, Correct. but your professional background is, is that you work for Thrivent Financial and talk about specifically what you did for them. Well, 25 years, uh, more or less with uh, Thrivent, uh, I was a financial representative, a financial consultant and a financial planner. Uh, in that order, as you kind of move up the train. The last uh, six, seven years of that, um, I was part of a program and helped further develop that program in college planning, where we worked with families to help their students get into the right school for the right reasons at a cost that wasn't going to break the bank for mom and dad and dip into the retirement funding. Um, And part of that program was, like I said, finding the right school for the right reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and we came across lots of different opportunities with over about 13,000 different colleges and universities out there. There's pretty much something for everybody. Yeah. Um, if you're willing to look for it. Yes. And that includes individuals with disabilities. Absolutely. And that is, was, yeah. It's a growing sector. Exactly. So you, as you know, the last like five years or so, or was it three or four years? I can't remember, but you um, traveled around. You had to do a lot of traveling because you were kind of on that corporate level overseeing a lot of the reps in the, around the United States that did this specific type of... Um, we have a little over 80 financial planners across the country that were, were doing college planning. That's a specialty of financial planning. Yeah. And um, uh, myself and another partner, David McCauley, ran that program on a national basis. So yeah. We did a lot of travel, uh, went to a lot of different conferences, met with schools from all over the country, in fact, all over the world, um, and to help figure out what they were looking for to match up. You, know, you find out that the student's really the commodity, not the college. Yeah. Colleges don't want you to know that. But yeah. it's, it's really pretty obvious once you look. Yeah. And once you start knowing kind of what you're looking at. Um, so, and that's what I love about you is, is that you get the inside track. You can kind of, for parents that are really struggling with decisions and even students that are, you know, um, high school students that are struggling, trying to figure out, oh, huh, what do I do? You, what I loved about, I took one of your college um, parent classes in terms of what to do to become prepared and things to be thinking about. And uh, what I loved about it was you kind of... Um, I guess dumbing down the the process that seems so overwhelming, mm-hmm. and you also um, kind of like um, demystified some of the uh, I guess myths in terms of like exactly what you're saying. Actually, mm-hmm. um, you have more power than you realize, um, and more opportunity than you know. You just have to know how to market yourself and what they're looking for. The key is to start early. Yeah. Um, don't wait till your senior year to do it. And don't don't burn bridges or cross bridges off that you are more capable of crossing or you may want to cross at a later date. Yeah. Uh, too many families say, well, my student's in this position or my student wants this or my student. So we can't do this and they're not going to talk to us. Well, if you haven't talked to them, you don't know that. Yeah. And because you've seen it. Yeah. You so many times you've seen it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too is, is that, um, 
you know, and you use the example when you talk about sending your daughter to college is that, you know, she went out of state and actually it was less money because of how you guys planned and prepared. Uh, it was less money than had she gone to a university here in the state of Washington, correct? Uh, yeah, she, um, my youngest daughter went, uh, started her college career at Warburg College in Waverly, Iowa. That was at the time $49,000 a year uh, cost of attendance. By the time it was all said and done, it cost us about $7,000. Yeah. Um, the rest of it came in the form, and that was without loans. We did, we, both my daughters, we never took out loans. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that is because they started early. They and when we school. talk about early, tell me what early is. As early as eighth grade. Yeah, okay. And um, they let the colleges develop them to the student that they were looking for. Mm -hmm. uh, now, granted, part of that was also, uh, I had 28 years in the U.S. Army Reserves, and I had some military benefits they used. Not everybody has that available to sure. them. Sure. Um, but uh, Bethany, my youngest daughter, had a three-quarter ride leadership scholarship, not academics. Yeah. A leadership scholarship. Because the things she did in high school, and she was willing to put that out with them in their application and their mm -hmm. process and let them know about it. In other words, that's what she highlighted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's every student's individual. Mm -hmm. Every student has their strengths and their weaknesses. Um, academics is extremely important, but it is not the end all. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a possibility for athletics. But I will tell you right now that athletic scholarships are very, very few and very, very far between. Yeah. Uh, I would use that as a plan B, not a plan A. Um, what mom and dad are doing has something to play with this. Here's the issue with college and college planning is it's all out there, but nobody talks about it. Yeah. Uh, you talk to your high school counselors who do a great job. I don't take anything away from them. Uh, you've got one counselor to about 700 kids. That's an overwhelming job. But uh, the moment you talk about financial aid, they tell you, we'll fill off asset. And yeah. You have to stop because they're not fiduciaries. Well, a financial plan as a financial planner, I was a fiduciary. I could talk about that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but really, the the important piece of all that was what's the student doing? Mm -hmm. What's the student want? And does the school's academics and their programs match the need of the student? We want the student to be successful and where they go. Um, and that's sort of what we talk about here with the Isaac Foundation is there's families that I've talked to that are like, well, my student, my wife, by the way, my wife teaches special ed over at East Valley. So yes. I've talked to a lot of families with special needs. Um, my student has special needs. They won't do college. I, I think that's a jump a little bit too far. Mm -hmm. And they may not. That's fine. Yeah, because we, yeah, there's different, yeah. I mean, there, every Everyone's. individual is, is individual and, and unique. And so there's different circumstances for all people. But to think that your child, because of their disability, could never go to college is not accurate. I'll be, I'll be blatantly honest in this. When I was in seventh grade um, in Denver, Iowa, the mile-wide city, um, I, if we would have special ed at that point, I would have been in it. I'm ADHD. I'm dyslexic. Um, I had a teacher tell me that I was a bad use of oxygen. We'd never survive getting out of town let to go to college. And not only did I graduate from college, it took me a while, but I got there. I got a commission in the U.S. Army. I'm successful. And I retired at age 58. Yeah, pretty good. 
you know that's bad for kids. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually am a child of special ed. So, uh, but again, even, you know, I'm 42. What they understood about dyslexia in those days was very, very, very limited. And again, uh, dyslexia, we know now is much more than just seeing letters backwards. There's just, um, it's, it, a, processing it's a processing issue. issue. And that's exactly it. And so, um, yeah, so I actually was in special education from elementary school all the way through high school. Um, and they did not deem me to be college track. And so they put me in high school in different programs that actually taught um, job skills. So um, Which is, I don't think there'll be a problem with that either. No. But if the student eventually says, hey, I think I want to try this next, then we find ways of doing that. And that's what I did. I actually, it was really more self-confidence and just being in special ed and requiring so, you know, just having had poor teachers tell me that the at most all I'd ever amount to is maybe bagging groceries at a grocery store. Um, that was Mr. Fisher, seventh grade. Oh man, I'd love What's to find you, Mr. Grade? Fisher. Mr. Mr. Fisher, I'm coming for you. Yes, I'm coming for you, Mr. Fisher, because we're going to have words because then I was like, oh, okay. So in my mind, that was really what I like, you know, throughout the rest of my life. And so again, I wasn't college track, ended up in a wonderful class, um, wonderful program at Lewis and Clark High School. In fact, I just reunited with that teacher and I had the opportunity to explain to um, her that that was really the point where my life changed in the sense that she they were teaching me job skills and part of her job as my teacher was to help find me a job. And she placed me in my very first job and that was where I got all my self-confidence. I realized that, you know, I don't have to be good at math. I don't have to be, you know, a really strong writer and um, reader to be able to still be very confident in an office and have street smarts and common sense. That goes along way. And so then while I was working for them, that was when they started talking to me about where I was going to go to college. And I'm like, oh, I can't go to college. Like, I'm special ed. And they're just like, um, I'm sorry, but that's, that's wrong. And so um, first step was I got in they said, well, how about just trying to get into the community college? And then I was accepted there. And they said, well, how about just trying to get in to Eastern Washington University? And I was like, oh, I'll never get in there. Let's just try. Let's just try. And um, I got accepted. And so then in my wildest dreams, I never thought that I would actually. And I graduated. I have my bachelor's degree. Um, you to work as hard or harder than some other students. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was work, but, but it, places you were at today. yeah, yeah. And so a lot of it is self-confidence and that's where we want to talk about too. Sometimes, um, I think if you probably, if my parents were being honest, um, they probably would have said, oh, there's no way Holly's going to go to college. Now, um, I paid for my college myself, so Same. I took out loans. Um, and I think in that time frame, if I would have said, Hey mom, dad, I want you to pay for college. They would be like, Oh, heavens no, there's no way you're going to be able to get through college. And so, um, and I think that's where too, I want use this podcast as an opportunity to talk about students who have disabilities um, and there are a lot of college opportunities out there for yes. students with disabilities and that's what I want to make sure I wanted to touch on some of the things your vast knowledge when it comes to helping any family plan for a student to go to college but um, because that is your area of expertise and I would I, I will put your contact information if you would like or someone that you feel that's fine. um 
so that that way, if you have questions, I highly recommend talking to Doug because again, I feel like you just like dummy it down so that I can understand what I'm looking at here. Um, and, um, but also more importantly, what we as parents have to do is we have to shift our mindset into the fact that our kids, um, and I'm not saying all students, but a lot more than you would think, um, are quite capable and there are programs designed for students that have disabilities that need supports while they're at college. College. And that's where, because of what you did professionally and traveling around to a lot of these conferences, every time you'd go to these conferences, you'd bring me this huge stack of uh, promotional materials from some of these universities highlighting their, their adaptive programs or their just the university itself that's dedicated to that. But so there's two types of universities. And so that's maybe talk about that. There's universities that really are dialed in just to this population and this is what they do and this is their expertise, correct? There are a couple of those. A couple, just a couple. Yes. But there is a growing number of universities that are realizing that um, when you're talking about students with disabilities or that may have autism, it's, you know, they're differently able. So they're highly capable, but they still require supports like my son, Caleb. Um, he is an ASD level one. So he's gen ed, you know, 87% of his day, but he still requires supports. And um, he really struggles with planning, organization, problem solving, chunking things down, like tasks down in terms of figuring out the most most effective way of executing a task. And sometimes what he, how he goes about getting something done, it's like, oh, sweetie, you just did that the hard way. But again, it's teaching him how to, you know, use common sense and use, you know, like the street smarts and that sort of thing. And so high in, in his areas where he has obsessive interests, he is very, very, very talented. Like I don't even understand some of what he does. Like when you're talking about coding, for instance, um, now, with that being say, you know, said, I just think to myself, there was a time before you and I started talking about this that it's, you know, it's like, oh, as gifted as he is when it comes to coding and technology, I just don't see that Caleb's going to be able to be successful at college because he doesn't have supports in place. And it's not like public education where he has an IEP. And so, you know, here's his accommodation for this. The school is required to support him in X, Y, and Z. And it's a, a, a contract, if you will, in terms of how Caleb will be supported so that he has his designed instruction. But when you're talking about university, it's a different ballgame. They are not required or obligated at all to do those things in a normal, yeah, in a, in a, in a typical fashion. However, there is the individuals, um, uh, persons with disability, Americans with Disabilities um, Act, which protects you in some capacities. But there's also, there's also another factor in place that you're not thinking about. Okay, tell me. I want, we have to be oh, educated. Okay. Well, because um, the reality is the number of students available for college is going down. It has been going down for about five years. They don't expect that trend to change about another 26 or 27 years before it starts coming back up if it does. The number of seats at colleges has stayed stagnant and actually has grown just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Once again, the student becomes the commodity because they need those students in order to keep their doors open. Especially private schools. That's true. Okay. Yeah. And so the competition for the right student and the right reason becomes greater. Mm -hmm. We can use that to our advantage, and we do use that to our advantage. Um, so in the case of why would Washington State University, WSU, and Idaho, the University of Idaho, why would they offer special need programs at their universities? I mean, 
people are, are beating at their doors to get in. I don't understand why that is. I just upset all my friends. Uh oh, we're gonna just get thumbs down. Okay, anyway, just remember uh, that is Doug's opinion. <laughs> it's a great school. Yeah, they do wonderful things. The need for additional students isn't that necessarily apparent. But they're looking at the writing on the wall going... And seeing the trends. Yeah, those. seeing the trends going, what are we doing? Are these students capable of academics at our level? The answer is, for some of them, absolutely. Yes. Then why are they not applying here? Well, because they can A, go elsewhere. Yeah. Or B, we're not offering what they need. I mean, yeah. Colleges today, there's colleges across this country that are rebuilding dorms that look like luxury apartments where you can have pets and you can bring your horse and you can do this because they're trying to attract students of, cert of a certain caliber and nature. Ah. Special needs falls into that very category. Yeah. Well, because I have to be honest with you, I'm checking off certain, do I think that Caleb is capable of going to college now? Yes, because I've seen a lot of the materials you and I have talked, but yet I'm still checking off, okay, so there's a proximity issue because if I'm the one that's going to have to provide supports for him, it has to be someplace where logistically, geographically, I can still provide some supports or someone, um, you know, family member is nearby that can just do that check-in and make sure that, you know, his checklists are modified as appropriate. Are you meal planning? Are you eating anything other than Cheetos and Top Ramen? That sort of thing. Um, but, you know, but universities like WSU, you're absolutely right. We're now hearing that they're actually onboarding some of these programs because... Mm -hmm. um, successfully. Yes, yes. They're very successfully. Yeah. And so when we talk about supports, when we're talking about universities, it's same, some of the same things. It's like, you know, at this level, they're having to live fairly ind independently. I mean, they live in a dorm, but still, you know, without the scaffolding in place in terms of, you know, we live by checklists. So we have our morning wake up... Um, checklist in terms of, okay, I wake up, use the bathroom, then I have to, you know, eat breakfast and I'm brushing my teeth. I'm fixing my hair. I'm, you know, getting dressed. You know, it's a checklist system because he is amazing at checklists. But um, when you go off to college, who's the person making your checklist, you know, and well, modifying your checklist if the checklist isn't working? Well, part of what we're looking for also is, uh, you had mentioned that when you were in high school, part of, you know, what your needs were someone was there to help you with, with some of those life skills that yeah. did for a job. And by the time you graduated high school, obviously you had conquered some of that. And yes. still use some of that today. Yes. That's why those programs in the high school and the middle school level are so important for these students. is because they are actually preparing them for that next step beyond. They don't go to college. They go into the workforce. Someone's still got to be. It's not always going to be mom and dad yeah. or a brother and sister. Yeah. And so those are important. But there are schools also out there. Uh, one of the ones that I've mentioned before, there's two schools in particular, actually. Uh, there's a four-year program. It's called Beacon College. It's in Leesburg, uh, Florida. Nice place to be. Yeah. Just, just north of uh, Orlando. Um, they specialize in students with special needs, uh, mostly autistic and uh, kids with ADHD. And even I saw some Down syndrome on the brochures, individuals mm -hmm. with Down syndrome. Yeah. Uh, Cerebral palsy. I saw that. Yeah. In high tech careers. Mm -hmm. um, the graduate, four year graduation rate is one of the highest in the nation. Like 98% will graduate within four years. Most colleges hope to have 40% in six years. Oh, wow. I didn't know That's that. Norm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. If you were over 60% in, in four years, you are stellar. No kidding. Um, their academics meet the same standards as any other school in Florida, to include Florida, Florida State, Florida, Miami, those. Mm. Um, and this is what I think is a real catch here, 
is they uh, they claim a um, six within six months of graduation employment rate of eighty six percent. That's amazing. It is. It, nowhere else comes close to that. Yeah. There's none other school in this country comes close to that. No. Um, I know that they get some support from some of the big tech firms, who are yes. people that are employing their students. Uh, who would then offer other follow-ups and that for the students or for the now their employees at their workplace. Yep. Uh, that's probably another podcast. But, yeah, uh, actually. And we can talk a little bit about that because I actually have, um, you know, gone to a conference. Well, um, she uh, she was the guest speaker at a luncheon that I went to. Um, and she was formerly with Microsoft when they were onboarding this program where they were going to support individuals with disabilities. And this is one of the things that they said is, is that they were, they need talent. Um, and the thing about it is, is that individuals with autism and other special needs um, have that talent that they're looking for. The problem is, is that in order to even get to that place where they're even assessing the talent, they have to get through this really awkward um, interviewing nonsense. And that was where they couldn't even get through the first round of interviews because of their social communication. Yeah. Yes. And so... Um, so what one of the number one things that Microsoft decided to do when they onboarded this program is they um, they had to come up with a way to equal or level the playing field when it came to assessing um, qualified applicants. And that basically meant that they had to get away largely from their interviewing process and how they screened applicants. And so what they were doing is, is that they were literally um, having, you know, individuals just do like skill based, you know, like um, demonstrations in terms of like coding this and in this situation and to see who their rock stars were. And a lot of the rock stars then were individuals with autism and other disabilities. Um, so then once they were assessing that, then they came up with a modified screening system for, you know, like uh, your, your standard interviewing questions. But they had to modify those questions because of just the interviewing style and the social communication differences of individuals with autism. So then, of course, um, when they onboarded these individuals with autism, um, into their program, then they had to have internal supports for them. Because again, you know, their work product was amazing, but it's the social communication part that was causing some of the challenges. And that's where they had then um, job coaches that would come in and work with the supervisor and work on even educating the coworkers in terms of the differences and, and what that meant. And then they had social groups during lunch because they, you know, wanted, you know, social opportunities for them during breaks and lunches. And then also these same um, job coaches would also then go to the home and check in with them at their home and make sure, you know, like, you know, are we getting the garbage out? Do we have a shopping list? Is this a healthy shopping list? Do we have any, have, when was the last time you went to the doctor and, you know, have you checked in with this? And, and so what they found was within like a year of them being in this program and having these supports, um, a lot of them really actually didn't even need their, um, their, their coach any longer because they were mastering it. Mm -hmm. And also they made natural, natural friends within the workforce, like amongst their neurotypical peers. Um, and, and again, everybody kind of rallied around them and understood those differences. And so um, what was funny is, is that they were figuring the one thing that they weren't factoring on is they figured that in terms of job performance, it would take probably a year before the individuals with autism would be working at the same level as their neurotypical peers. And what they actually found that that was not the case whatsoever. They actually um, became... Um, 
proficient at a proficient level in half the time of neurotypical individuals that were hired at the same time. And so, um, so now since then, so that was Microsoft kind of paving the way because they wanted the talent. They knew the talent was there. Um, and then now you have companies like Amazon, Google, Redfin that are now also realizing, holy cow, like we have to, because again, a lot of talent out there. Um, and then when you work with these universities that have these tech, um, you know, that are tech specific, um, and again, when you're then these universities are building in supports for these individuals to be successful just while they're at that university level, a lot of times then onboarding them post-education is actually much easier um, than we thought. Um, and so we're... Um, you know, having to re-examine again, the biggest thing for like, you know, our autism individuals is that we have to redefine what an interview process is so that, you know, if you want talent, that's, that's measure talent for talent. Um, and then we have to come up with a different expectation in terms of, um, interviewing and social communication because there's so much talent out there. Well, and then preparation while they're at college, um, like Beacon is a small school in Leesburg. Um, I'm, don't think it's more than a couple hundred students, and they keep it that way uh, so they can support them. Yes. There's another school in upstate New York called Landmark. Now, Landmark is a two-year college, not yes. a four-year college, mm -hmm. and offers more programs than just IT. Mm -hmm. And, and that one, they, out there. And they also work a lot on just um, life skills, like right. life planning, executive function type of social support, social, those yeah, things. those things. So they're really working on social skills. Um, really independent living elements of that that's actually built into their curriculum while they're there. Um, Both these schools are highly accredited. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the problems that I've come across with families as I've worked with them is I'll make mention because I'm working with one student and I know they have a sibling that, that has needs. And I mentioned this and, and mom and dad get their nose in a bunch because, well, I'm not sending my child to a school that's um, please don't do that. Yeah. It's find the right school, the right college for the right student. Yeah. I, I cannot emphasize how important that is to the success of the student. And um, I have no problems with, with uh, no, in fact, the community college system here in Spokane is one of the best, is actually rated as one of the best in the country. Yeah. Between SCC and the Falls. Um, great schools, depending on what your student wants to do and mm -hmm. where they want to go. Because let's talk about trades. Like people yeah, exactly. have for so long, it's been, you know, the university, for, you know, for your, you know, four-year universities, you have to get a degree. But now when you're looking at the demand for skilled trades, it's like we've kind of shot ourselves in the foot. And now, um, you know, because I, my dad was a blue-collar worker. He worked in pump and irrigation. Um, he actually had a degree from WSU. That's why I go Cougs, right? Um, but he ended up kind of going into the, you know, family business of pump and irrigation. And because that's where, you know, when you have mouths to feed, it just, it paid the bills. And that's what, you know, my dad did. And the thing about it is, is that, you know, for so long, there was such a um, negative stigma for those that were blue collar workers. See, and that's hopefully starting to go away. It, I feel like it um, is totally shifted. I will, I will tell you this. I don't know if they're doing it anymore. I know they were for several years, um, but I, have, I just haven't checked on it. Um, but if you're going to one of the Washington State community colleges to get into metal working, into working with the lathes and metal work and that. Oh, that's, tell me and, more because this is what Tyler's talking to me about. So, okay. So okay. you're going into that and by halfway through the program, you were at, I believe it was 3.5% grade point average. Boeing would come in 
contract you. So when you graduate, give you a, at the time like a sixty thousand dollar a year job in Boeing because they couldn't find enough machinists. No. Um, and um, then if you spent I think it was three years with a minimum, they would pay you back for all your college expenses. Yes. And that's what we're actually finding because, um, you know, my significant other, his son is has graduated from high school. He didn't want to go the four-year route. He wants to go into a trade. And interestingly enough, he already has people saying, hey, if you go to school to become an electrician and you agree to work for me for X number of years, I'll pay for it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so he's like, hey, dad, that sounds like a pretty good deal, right? And it's like, yeah. If you want to be an electrician, yeah, that's a fantastic deal. Um, I met a young man, actually he's in his 30s, um, that uh, was telling me the story that when he was in high school, mom and dad planned on him going to four-year, possibly, possibly becoming a lawyer, which he wanted nothing to do with, yeah. or an engineer, which he wanted nothing to do with. And he decided to go to community college um, and is now a farrier. He puts shoes on horses and makes about $140,000 a year. Yes. Um, and does exactly what he loves to do. He loves working with his hands. He mm-hmm. loves the metal work. He loves working with the animals. See, and that's really the important piece is what is it your student really, it's not what you want your student to do. Yeah. It's what, what does your student want to do? And, and matching up those personalities and those life skills with careers that are out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, my degree is from the University of Northern Iowa, Cedar Falls, Iowa. I graduated in 1990 with a degree in, bi- uh, degree in biology, a minor in microbiology, a certificate in electron microscopy. That's why and, I spent my career in financial services. Right. Okay. So on that, I'll piggyback on that. I graduated from Eastern Washington University in 1998. I have a degree in urban regional planning with an emphasis in community development, and I have not used that degree a day in my life. And here we are. So it's better if you can match those up before we go to school. Correct. Well, because in truth, Doug, I just paid off my student loans four years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. So again, do the math there, people. I, I want you to avoid the loans. Yes. Um, let's talk a little bit about what does a student need to do? Because we've talked about all the wonders of it. Uh, there are programs for special needs students all across the country now. So many. Google. We, Dr. Google. That and what I would recommend, and I recommend this for all students, just not special needs at all, uh, is that um, once your student hits eighth grade, let's get some help. I don't care if your student has special needs or not. I don't care if they're a four-point plus student or they're a two-point student. Let's get some help. Let's get some help from the colleges themselves. Oh. I would like your students, and I've done this at different elementary schools when I've given presentations. I've challenged them. I want your student to write an email, write one email uh, that says, Hi, this is me. I go to this school. It's lunchtime, everybody. There we go. The bells are here. Um, Anyway. Hi, this is me. I go to this school. I'm in eighth grade. My GPA is this. Uh, if you're special needs, put them I um, with special needs for whatever, mm-hmm. if you're comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, I'm active in these things. Now, here's what schools are looking for. This is the, this is the, the cheat sheet for college. This is the, the guy behind the curtain sort of a thing. This right. is what you're telling me right Colleges now. Colleges want students, obviously, with good grades. Mm-hmm. They want students who are, are working towards good grades. I mean, it's the students, not mom and dad. Yeah. Mom and dad can't write this email. Please, please don't do that. It's very obvious when they do. Um, they're looking for students who are active in their community, want to be part of something bigger than themselves, and volunteer. Yeah. Those are the items right there that every school in America is looking for 
to put in the seats in their college. Mm -hmm. As an eighth grader, you're going, well, they're not going to want to talk to an eighth grader. They're talking to seniors and juniors. Yes, but here you're going to think about it this way. They're looking at a declining student enrollment, and those recruiters and those uh, admission advisors, if they have the, you know, they're tasked with finding the best, the brightest, the perfect student to fit in their community that matches their school. If they have an opportunity to start working with an eighth grader to mold that student, who do you think gets the financial aid as a senior? Mm, well made. That's a point well made. So let's let them do that. Let's make it an open book test to get into college. Mm -hmm. So we write this email, this is me, I go to the school, and I think I want to do this someday. Pick something. Doesn't make a difference. Nobody expects an eighth grader to know exactly what they're going to do by the time they get to college. Oh, heavens no. Okay, so pick something. Your copy, paste, send, copy, paste, send. Don't send one email to 15 colleges and I'll put them all in the line. That'll work. Yeah. Copy, paste, send, copy, paste, send, copy, paste, send. 30 colleges. Don't care who they are. Really doesn't make a difference. And part of this, if your special needs is, I was curious, what do you, what does your university do to support students with special needs? Yes. Not do you have a special needs program? What do you do to support students with special needs? Remember, at this point, you're interviewing colleges. Yes. Colleges are not interviewing you. You're the commodity, mm -hmm. not them. I love this, Doug. And Watch what comes back. Yeah. Now, historically, when we've had students do this, if you go out to uh, the continuing education curriculum school, the, yes. the year-round school at East Valley, uh, their eighth grade class does this every year. Um, they send this stuff out, um, and they use the school's email and address for a return, uh, for privacy reasons, obviously. Mm -hmm. And um, they wallpaper an entire hallway with banners, posters, pennants, <laughs> They come back, they try and get as many as they can. And the stuff that comes back to these students, these students are on fire. They are just so excited about whatever they want to do and where they want to go. Yeah. It's part of the exploration. Your student may never go to a four-year school, may not want to, that's fine. Start the exploration as early as eighth grade, mm -hmm. knowing that it's going to be an email that comes back. And if the school's not interested in you, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. So you want, that's why I say 30 schools. We want to narrow it down to five or six by the time you're a senior. Yeah. But until you know, you know, I can name off schools that most of you have never heard of before. And I find that wrong. Let's let's go out and let's find them. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for a list of colleges in the United States, you can go out to collegeboard.org. Uh, the same people that offer the SAT. It's a nonprofit. And uh, they, uh, they list every college and university in the United States that's accredited and give you a lot of information about each one of those schools. Um, and so that's one way you can find an entire list and you can then um, uh, go from there. Um, to, you know, it also gives you email addresses for the admissions departments and all that stuff. Uh, but it's a great way to find that resource. But as, eighth, as young as eighth grade, you want to start that list and start building those relationships because the main thing that comes with um, college planning, like everything else in life, it's about the importance of building relationships. So true. 
I didn't even thought about that. And you're right too, because like when Tyler was, he's now a 10th grader, but when he was in the eighth grade, um, it, at that point he was still thinking about what he's going to do and what college he's going to go to. But now, um, that, you know, of course Tyler's Mr. You know, uh, CNBC, Fox news reader. Um, and, and now he realizes the value of skilled traits. And, um, so now he's realizing now what he's doing, it's different. He's looking at what he wants to do after high school as uh, what are my interests? Like, what do I like to do naturally? And then looking to see what the different um, skilled trades are so that he can decide whether or not he wants to go that route. Mm-hmm. And when he's starting to, you know, cause Tyler's all about the money. So he's all looking at, you know, the income options of some of these. So. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I will tell you, um, um, Doing what you love to do, so you enjoy walking into Yes, it makes all the difference um, in the world. Into work every day is much more important than the paycheck. Yeah. Um, so when I was doing financial planning, some of my best clients, most successful financial clients, uh, never made more than about forty fifty thousand dollars a year. They were just really good at saving. Well, that's me too, Doug. I love my job. I don't make a lot, as you know. Uh, Doug, also, we didn't mention this, was is my... Um, former board of director president. So, um, yeah, so exactly. You can love your job, but not necessarily have to make a million dollars a year. Like I love getting out of bed every day. I make a difference. So, so as a mom, yeah. Um, Tyler's uh, junior. He's a sophomore. Sophomore. And if you had a question about whether he was going to do college or what type of college he should go to, or how should he present himself to college? What that question be? What would that question be? For me, yeah. Oh for well, you. well. Mom, as to whether or not I just for me, I tell Tyler keep your options open. So grades are important, whether you go to a trade school or not. Um, and really, what we're looking at, we're doing discovery in terms of his natural interests and what his, you know, what he gets jazzed and will spend hours doing without even blinking an eye. So I can't honestly, but for colleges, um, you know, colleges are schools. Yes, I, I don't. I don't know that I. Maybe I don't understand the question well enough to be able to answer it. Well, as a, as a mom, what is your question that you would have for someone like me? Oh, like how much is it going to cost me? Is well, basically that really depends. Yeah. Um, one of the most favorite answers to college planning is well, that kind of depends. Yeah. Depends on where he wants to go and how he wants to go there. Um, if he's going to do trades and goes to a community college, it's probably going to cost anywhere from two to four thousand dollars a year, um, and for anywhere from two to four years. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and there's to, not a lot of financial aid there because, uh, with the exception of athletics, yeah. because it's so heavily subsidized by the state already, they don't give a lot of financial aid. Correct. The one nice added bonus of the... Um of Tyler being here in Spokane is we have the new tech school. So when he is a junior, he can apply. Well, actually now is the time that we're applying to um, go to new tech because new tech is basically a trade. Um, it's part of our public school system. Um, it's accredited. Correct. So he gets to go there first. So he'll go to his high school for a couple of years because he has to, you know, do his, you know, general education requirements and then they send him, put him on a bus and they send the kids over to the new tech site and then he gets to start exploring different trades that he thinks he's interested in and that's, um, again, it's accredited. Those credits will transfer over if he decides to go to the community college and utilize, you know, and then expand it there but conceivably he could be a large way into some of these programs before he even graduates high school. And that's one of the things I wanted to get to is there's programs out there like that. There's also uh, employer programs 
programs where you get started like that. It's enough to get your foot in the door with an employer who says, you know what, you're doing great. I need you with more skills. I will send you to this program at this school and yeah. pay for it. Because yeah. they get to write that off their taxes. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and gets, they keep a great employee. Mm -hmm. um, there are ways of doing this without just jumping in and saying, okay, mom and dad are going to pay for all this. We're going to take it out of our 401k. Please don't ever do that. Yeah. Oh. Um, and they're going to do this and that. Uh, same thing goes with with your four-year schools. Uh, I will tell you, for a student that has played the game properly, and that's part of starting eighth grade, it's, it's showing interest, it's building relationships, it's getting good grades, it's doing the things they're looking for and be able to highlight them. In most cases, not all, but in most cases, it's less expensive to go to a good private school than it is to go to the big public school. Yeah, that is uh, true. I would rather see... If you, you have a student that wants to go to med school, say the University of Washington Med School of Medicine, which is the number one med school in the country, um, I would not start at UW. Great school, but most of their undergraduates don't come from UW. They come from five or six small private schools in the Seattle area. Mm. I would start there and see what kind of financial aid I can get from them because they have to compete with the bigger public schools to get students. Yeah, because so it's, so it's more competitive than you think. If yeah. you're going to Whitworth as an example, want to go to Whitworth, which is a great school, so is Gonzaga, um, they've got to compete with the price of going to Eastern. Now, Eastern, I want to make this very, very clear, because most students I've worked with, the moment you say Eastern, they're like, oh, I don't want to go to Eastern. Please don't have me go to Eastern. Um, In our area, it's one step. It's, yeah, and it's also that a lot of our locals consider it one step above the community college, really, is kind yeah. of... Eastern Washington State University, Eastern Washington University is a phenomenal, phenomenal school. And we are, we are blessed to have it in our backyard. And one of the best things about Eastern is if you want to stay at home, eat mom and dad's food, drive mom and dad's car, and there's schools like this all across the country, um, tuition is only about $8,000 a year. It's reasonable. Uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty reasonable. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, your private schools that are close by have to compete with that price tag. Yeah. And they've got endowments from alumni that they're willing to toss in to get the students that they are looking for, that they've invested time and energy in, hence eighth grade, ninth grade, because they've already invested that time and energy. Yeah. To get to sit in their seats. Now, if you apply at one school and one school only, and they know it, they don't have to give you a dime. You have no choices. Oh, and they know this. They know how many colleges. Uh, oh, so you're going to let them know, hey, I've got five other. Yeah, perfect. Politicians are the only ones that can do this. Well, uh, good to know. We do it all the time. You market yourself. And then, and then part of and this has to come from the student. This is where it's important. The student is in on this. It's not mom and dad. Yeah. The students say, I love this school. I think this is where I belong. I can let this program this and that. Hope we can afford it. Then shut up. Yeah, First it's like buying a car. It is. Yeah, and um, I've helped a lot of students, coach a lot of families in this sort yeah. of thing, and it's very effective. Now, is is there a hundred percent guarantee? No, there isn't. But it's what we do to help lower the costs, mm -hmm. make things reasonable. As special needs students, every college out there, especially private schools. Love the idea of having a student that comes from a disadvantage, whether it's economics, whether it's educational, whether it's whatever, mm -hmm. and then graduates in four years and becomes a superstar. 
Because then they can use that as their, like, look at us. Oh We're amazing. Uh, about 10, 15 years ago, Harvard University graduated a young lady uh, who was blind and had been homeless. Mm -hmm. And that story brought in millions, millions of dollars in donations from their alumni. Yeah. Um, now, that's Harvard. Yes. No, but we just had a lawyer that just, she graduated from law school and um, graduated and got her first job and she is on the autism spectrum. And so she is the first, you know, openly quote unquote autistic um, lawyer who has passed the bar. And, but that was a big deal. Um, And you're absolutely right. Because more and more people want to see those success stories. Yeah. Colleges are looking for ways to show that, hey, listen, we're on the cutting edge of this. Yeah. And we want to make this successful. But if they don't, Here's the key. Here's the key. If a college doesn't know your students alive, they can't chase them. Yes. Period. Yeah. What we're doing in ninth grade, eighth grade, and ninth grade, we're announcing to the world, hello, I'm here we here. are. Come talk to me. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's a guarantee you're going to go there or even want to go there. You're going to have schools on that list of 30 that you're, they're going to come back and go, no, I have no desire. Okay, fine. Perfect. Yeah. We're going to start narrowing that list down. And you may want to do more than that. Yeah. But it's not hard to do. It'll take all of 20 minutes. Yeah. And it starts that process. But I would say the most important thing is don't don't close off a bridge or burn a bridge that you don't have to yeah. anywhere in life. Yeah. No, I agree. And that's the thing is I think just we have to be in that mindset where we're not going to limit our kids being able to pursue college um, because there's lots of opportunities. Is there a certain place or a certain strategy for finding the universities that have programs for individuals with special needs? Or is it just um, find, look at the universities that you're naturally interested in or have certain types of programs that you think would lend itself to your child's interests and then start looking and diving in to see if they have any of those. And here's the thing, if they don't have it now, by the time your kiddo gets older, they could because it's becoming very, very common place when i first looked at this uh, about seven years ago there was about three colleges on that list yes and, and landmark and, and beacon more or less were the the cutting edge that started this whole trend um and then uh since then the last time i looked at that list on google and you can google you know colleges with special need program college with programs with students with this mm-hmm. disorder and um, that list was well over 100 long, and I got tired of looking at it. Excellent. Um, see? Yeah. See, it's, it's growing. Once again, I would not, I would start with, hey, I like your college. You know, I want to be a Grizz. I want to be a Cougar. I want to be a Husky. I want to I want to be an Eagle out here, or, or I want to play Gonzaga. I want whatever you want to do. Contact the schools. Um, and, and not mom and dad, student, 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 yeah, student, student, student. student. <laughs> uh, they don't want to talk to mom and dad. No. They probably don't want to talk to me or Holly either. They just want to talk to students and ask, what are your programs that support? And wording is important. What do you have that supports students with special needs? Yeah. Because that has a whole different meaning of, do you uh, have a program for special needs? Yes mm-hmm. or no? Yeah. Gives you nothing. Yeah. I want to know what those programs are. Yeah. I want to know how long they've been around. I want to know how successful they've been. What's your enrollment? Talk to some of the students that are in that program. Yeah. And families. Cool. And there's nothing wrong with that. Remember, you're the commodity, so you're interviewing them. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a whole different mindset than, oh, I hope they pick me. I hope they pick me. I hope they pick me. Yeah. Um, If you're a good student and you do those other things, you volunteer, you're part of the community, you're doing all that stuff. Um, they're they're gonna 
they're going to pick you unless okay, fine. Nobody gets into Stanford anymore and Harvard and Yale. They, you know, they, their thing is less than two percent of those who apply get in. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't take them off my list. Sure, but I wouldn't hold my breath for them either. Yeah, uh, and with any student. Sure, I've had students that were phenomenal students, and nope. So. Um, I think that's about it. I mean, I feel like we could talk on this like for hours, but um, will you mention the name of the one website again um, that you mentioned earlier? uh, Collegeboard.org. Okay. And it's like I said, it is the site that also does the SAT Hmm. and that it's it's safe. It's very uh, informative in their college search. Uh, and I would, that's where I'd recommend to start. The, the big reason is it's safe. Perfect. It's a good, safe site to be on. Perfect. I love that. And then we'll go ahead and put your contact information because again, um, Doug knows, um, all of the tricks to the trade. So whether you're working on sending your developmentally neurotypical student to college or whether or not you have a child that has special needs that you, um, think, you know, would benefit from, um, post-secondary education, like don't rule it out, but you would be a great person person to like field questions and, and you know so many people that you could I get people in touch to get to the right place. at the right place so and that's hugely helpful so thank you for joining me <laughs> when I said ask you to do this podcast you're like what in the world would I be able to podcast on and I'm like oh, oh Doug if you only knew you are such a wealth of information on this so wonderful well we're going to go ahead and stop here on today's Isaac's Autism Wild podcast <laughs> And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe. And just remember, we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.